They have a combined 12 years in the National Football League. They combined for 65 career sacks, 232 tackles, one Pro Bowl selection, and one Employee of the Month award. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. It's Train and Gross on the All-AZ Podcast Network. Welcome in another edition of Train and Gross. Glad you could join us. And uh, before we go any further, B-Train, got to give a shout out to Sean Crespin. He's kind of taken the open to the next level. Didn't have much to work with here. I mean, it, it, it looks professional. I, I feel like we've, we've bumped up a little bit as far as, as our professionalism. And, and uh, we're, we're a legit show now because we've got the proper intro, bro. It's, not, it's nice. Right. Big up to Sean, for sure. Well, well done, Sean Crespin. We uh, we appreciate the work. Like I said, didn't give you much to work with on my end. Well, welcome in. Uh, today's yeah. podcast, B-Train, is brought to you by the number four, maybe by the Acme Brune Company. The Denver Nuggets no longer in the NBA playoffs, courtesy of a sweep by the Phoenix Suns. How sweep it is, baby. How sweep it is. And, and maybe Michael Michael Malone might have been right. Like his team, you know, he, he gave him the old shout out and uh, they were unable to respond game three, game four in the Mile High City. And uh, whatever the Suns did in Phoenix, they just carried it over and took care of business. Mike, this has been one of those where I think a lot of people still weren't buying into what the Phoenix Suns were selling. I think a lot of people still thought it was a cute story. They had the number two overall seed in all the NBA, and they thought, well, okay, they, they put a lot of effort into the regular season, but this will all play itself out once they get to the playoffs. And the Phoenix Suns are like, oh, no, not so fast. We have all the intention of actually going to the finals and having a chance to win an NBA championship. One of the more remarkable stories, 11 years out of the playoffs, and now here they are with four games left to get to the 2021 NBA finals. This is something that I know anybody in the Valley, if they say they had this, they're absolutely lying. Well, and the other thing too, we talked about this uh, when the, this round kicked off, it lined up well for the Suns if they could take care of business. They swept the Nuggets out, and now they get the benefit of waiting for the Jazz and the uh, Clippers to decide Clippers. who's going to win that one with the Clips up 3-2. Suns are sitting back and, uh, and just waiting, watching, and, and resting. Well, they're going to need that time because obviously we got a story to talk about here in a few minutes, but I love the fact that they didn't prolong this any more than what they needed to. They went to Denver. They took care of business. They had a, a, a team that was on the ropes and, and they kept their foot on the neck. They didn't let them off the hook at all to where they had to come back to Phoenix and, and, and finish them off. They, they, they took care of business. And to me, that's an encouraging sign, Mike, because young teams usually don't have that kind of killer mentality. But that speaks to Monty Williams and it speaks to Chris Paul. It speaks to Devin Booker and the other leaders in that locker room and in the front office. You got to give them credit as well. This was a total... Uh, t- team effort and you you have to be happy for this team and, and Mike they've got a legitimate shot I mean you can say what you want about matchups and and all these other things that are actually going to make a difference but just looking at this team the further they go the better the story becomes and, and I think if you're just an average fan of basketball you have to feel good about the Phoenix Suns and and where they've come from 
in, in recent history. Absolutely, B-Train. And the story you alluded to, Chris Paul out indefinitely as he's been placed into the NBA health and safety protocols uh, due to, and, and it's not, as I read it, uh, not entirely uh, clear to me is if he tested positive or if there was contact tracing where he came in contact with somebody else who had, uh, excuse me, tested positive. Matt Barnes from ESPN said that Chris Paul told him that he so, you know, it, it could be the it could be the contract tracing that's the issue. But right now there's a big question mark about where Chris Paul stands. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of there is a lot of questions, but I, I think I heard that he actually did test positive and, and that's the other thing about the vaccination in and of itself. I mean, even though you did get vaccinated, you can still test positive. So there's a still a lot to be uh, uncovered as to what's going on with this story, but this is a tremendous blow. If Chris Paul is not able to be on the court for game one of the of the conference conference finals uh, for the Phoenix Suns. And we've talked about his importance all year, Mike. We talked about this even in, in early November, December, when the season first started. Like Chris Paul was was getting MVP consideration. And, and the fact that he has maintained that high level of play and, and you've seen his effect on this team throughout the playoffs, I think. Yes, this team has grown because he's had that leadership, but I think not having him on the, on the court and having his presence there, I think that would be a huge blow to this team. Not that they wouldn't go out and fight and, and play hard for Coach Williams, but just the fact that you wouldn't have your floor general out there with you, you couldn't help but, but notice the absence of, of a Chris Paul if he's not in the lineup. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reporting that the next date that uh, Chris Paul will be tested is Saturday. And so we'll know more after that. Obviously, uh, when we go back and talk about that Clippers Jazz series, the longer that goes on, the more time that that gives Chris Paul. And Sean Crustman just passed me a note that says 2,000 out of the 3 million people in Arizona who have been vaccinated uh, uh, have uh, a positive test after that vaccination. So, you, you know, obviously you can see where that can be an issue. Uh, the other thing that it shows you is how tight the NBA testing re regime is where they're testing regularly and making sure that if they do have players or officials, coaches, you know, anybody around that, uh, that test positive, that they isolate them quickly so that it is, uh, it is contained. Unfortunately for the Suns, it was just Chris Paul is the one who tested positive in this case. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't claim to know all of the, the protocols and, and all of the, the things that go into COVID, but it just seems weird that none of the other teammates tested positive. If he was around them and they all came back from Denver together, how did they not get positive tests? I mean, it just, it just makes me wonder how this came about and how it's isolated primarily to Chris Paul. And, and hopefully he is able to, to come back better than ever. Uh, most importantly, we want this team to go as far as they can take it. And, and if that's a trip to the NBA Finals, I, I think that's one of those made for 30 for 30. I mean, to go 11 years without and then to have the book in the last time they did make the playoffs, it was in the conference finals uh, and losing to the L.A. Lakers and Kobe Bryant and company. So it, it th this story has so many levels to it. It's, it's just a great story all the way around, even if it were to, to end now, it would still be one of those made-for-TV type situations. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on things. Uh, again, uh, ESPN reporting that uh, Chris Paul will be reevaluated Saturday. Uh, and uh, we're recording this on, on Thursday evening. And then obviously, for any number of reasons, if you're a Suns fan, you're wishing for game seven uh, between the Jazz and the Clippers. So we'll keep an eye on that. And, um, you know, uh, like I said, the rest of the guys, uh, they sit back, they wait, they, they recuperate, they, uh, you know, get their get a little strength, get their win back. Because, you know, one of the big things, and we can talk about this here and it'll carry over into our next segment when we do the, uh, the look around the rest of the NBA, you know, the injury uh, factor in this postseason uh, is really remarkable. Um, and, you know, Chris Paul, obviously, with the shoulder, uh, didn't actually miss a game, uh, which in the big scheme of things, looking at it relative to, to what's happening around the league, I think Suns uh, should be considered very fortunate for that. But again, the injuries, and you brought this up on a previous podcast, uh, just taking its toll uh, on on this postseason. Mike, you've got to be able to give these athletes and their bodies time to rest and recover. And, and you've seen a lot of the teams that actually made the playoff run in the bubble are not actually playing now. And I think there's a lot of correlation to that. And unfortunately, you saw some of the teams have their stars out before the playoffs even started. I mean, you look at Jalen Brown with the Celtics. You look at Jamal Murray with the Nuggets. Those are two guys that never even saw the court in the playoffs. And you know they would have been difference makers. And then you saw the Lakers series, Anthony Davis and LeBron James to a certain degree. Uh, again, you saw with the, the Denver Nuggets how they are without their starter. And then, of course, the, the Brooklyn Nets and their situation and, and Kawhi and, and, and the, the Los Angeles Clippers, th there have been so many stars all around the league that have missed significant time due to injuries. And I think this is primarily due to that, that body just being overworked and not having the time to properly rest, Mike. Athletes have a certain time of season where they, they know and, and their bodies tell them they're supposed to be doing something. And it also tells them when they're not supposed to be doing something. And, and when those things overlap to some degree, you have the situations like we have now. And I think the NBA did the best they could with the situation with the, the, the bubble. But I thought they got a little greedy with the 72-game schedule trying to make up some of the money that they lost due to COVID. And this was something that we all could have seen. If you played any type of sport uh, for any amount of time, you know that your body, if it doesn't get the right amount of recovery time, these things are definitely prone to happen. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. And, and you know, again, LeBron James also, you know, he's, he's uh, yesterday took to Twitter, and, and Sean mentioned this too, uh, eight, possibly nine all-stars have missed games, um, right? And um, that's most in league history. And look, you know, to your point, you know, I know they wanted to get the games in. Money's part of it. But over the long term, if you give the fans a lesser product, it's going to hurt you in the long run. So you got this short-term game trying to make it, make, make it back up. This could hurt you in the long run because I, you know, I haven't seen TV ratings but you start taking stars out of this, out of the equation, and that's going to pick off the casual fans. Hardcore basketball fans will watch the NBA, watch NBA playoffs regardless of who's playing. What you need if you're the league and when your sponsors, your advertisers, the people that come for the money is that casual fan. And that's what they're going to miss if these stars aren't playing. Yeah, you need you need those recognizable names and faces. And, and NBA more than any other sport because they don't have any hats or – anything else that, that's covering up their body, you recognize those players more than any other sport. So when you don't have those guys that you see on commercials and you see on TV all the time, 
it, it kind of it makes people lose interest. So, yes, if there was a, a, a sports league that was going to suffer the most from having their, their stars out, yes, it would definitely be the NBA. All right. On the other side, we'll t- take a look around the rest of the NBA, a closer look at uh, the two games, possible two games uh, remaining in the Jazz Clippers series, as well as the Eastern Conference. That's coming up on Train and Gross. Train and Gross. All right, taking a look around the rest of the NBA on Trading Gross. Uh, Western Conference, uh, we mentioned it a minute ago. Suns sit back, they wait. Uh, Friday, uh, coming up, you've got game six between the Clippers and the Lakers. Clippers up, excuse me, the Clippers and the Jazz. Uh, Clippers up 3-2, that game at the Staples Center. Uh, big question there, though, talking about the injuries in our last segment, B-Train for the Clips. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, is uh, he's out. And, you know, again, it... it you know, he's their leading scorer in the series and big question mark now for the Clippers going forward. It is a big question mark, but you got to give a little bit of a shout out to playoff P. That's Paul George, a guy that was much maligned most of his time in L.A., especially last year with the, the late debacle as far as the playoff run was concerned. And, and I thought a lot of his legacy was on the line and I thought he really shone through uh, with that performance in game five against the Utah Jazz in Utah. Uh, everybody knew that 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 Paul George was going to be the catalyst of that offense and the catalyst of that team, and and people were kind of waiting to see because if it wasn't going to happen now for Paul George, I don't think it was ever going to happen. I don't think he was ever going to recover from the expectations that were set on him. And and remember, he was an MVP candidate when he was in oklahoma city he was a guy that was on the rise and even before that with the indiana pacers and so everything that he had done he had basically taken a back seat to Kawhi leonard and this was the opportunity for him to remind the rest of the basketball world that hey i am paul george i am one of the top players in this league and i am an all nba player so uh, the the clippers needed him to step up in a major way and and he was able to go into a very hostile environment and and help that team get a much needed win one of the Morris twins, Marcus, had a, had a pretty nice game, and Reggie Jackson had a pretty nice game for the Clippers. And uh, if, if you're the if you're the Jazz, you're kind of scratching your head, like, man, how did we let this game get away? We're, we're one of the best teams in the league, and yet they're down a superstar and still found a way to come in here and get a win. In Salt Lake City, that happened, uh, and and the Jazz, in meanwhile, they're they're, yeah. They're without Mike Conley, uh, hamstring injury, and he'll be reevaluated as this uh, as the series go forward. So again, you know, you're talking about it, you're talking about these series, uh, and and pretty much everything that's left out there is is looking at player availability. You know, that's that's the big the big question mark out here as we move down the stretch. All right, moving over to the Eastern Conference. Uh, speaking of player availability, uh, tonight uh, you've got the Brooklyn Nets at the Milwaukee Bucks. And just a remarkable series, again, injuries. Uh, and even with the injuries, uh, the way the, the Brooklyn, I don't even know how to describe what the Brooklyn Nets did the other night. I mean, you know, down down some big players and they still get that win. It, it just yeah, incredible. Down 16 at half, Mike. And remember this stat line, 49, 17, 10, three and two that's kevin durant that's another guy whose legacy was on the line because people didn't think that he could get it done without having a super team as well around him we saw what he did with golden state 
but people couldn't uh, get over the fact that he couldn't do it in Oklahoma City with the Russell Westbrook, and you saw what he did uh, and getting injured. Uh, people were thinking, well, maybe Kevin Durant isn't that guy. Well, he quickly reminded the rest of the basketball world, too, that I am indeed Kevin Durant, and, and, and for him to have that type of stat line, 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, three steals or three blocks and two steals. I mean, there, there wasn't anything that he couldn't do. The thing that you think about this game, though, Mike, as great as Kevin Durant was, Giannis Antetokounmpo, how do you not take on Kevin Durant? You are the two-time league MVP and defensive player of the year. How do you not, by accident, take on Kevin Durant at all during the course of that 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 second half where he's going absolutely crazy scoring I believe 31 points in that second half that's absolutely inexcusable you're talking about an opportunity to put a stranglehold on this series if you're the Milwaukee Bucks and not one trip down the floor in two, in, a, in, a, in a half you don't take on Kevin Durant who's absolutely cooking and on fire at that point that's a referendum on both these two superstars one in a positive way and one in a very negative way I think you're absolutely right. And this is the part of the podcast where we uh, we tip the cap to you and mention that the Sixers, uh, if you look at this, uh, there's, there's their game against Atlanta the other night. They were up by 24 with two minutes and 10 seconds to go in the third quarter. ESPN stats and information said that at that point they listed the Sixers had a 99.7% chance of winning that game. The point three percent, three tenths of one percent ca- cashed in, and the Hawks won that game. They're up three two in the in that series. Mike, you got to give a lot of love to Trey Young and the rest of that Atlanta Hawks team, but the, the story is not the Atlanta Hawks. The story is the Philadelphia 76ers. How in the world did you lose that game? This is going to be one of those where I, I think Mike. If you see the Philadelphia 76ers go out and they lose ultimately the series to the Atlanta Hawks, I think we've seen the end of Joel Embiid and and, and Simmons and Ben Simmons. I, I don't think that they can coexist anymore if you lose this series. There is no way that you can have those two players, both all NBA players, and and continue to come up short. And the other guy that is going to get looked at with the incredible side eye, even though it's his first year as coach, Mike, it's got to be Doc Rivers, man. We love Doc Rivers, but you can't keep coming up small in the playoffs. And and we know that you have that 2008 championship in your back pocket, and we're always going to give you much love and much credit for that. You got another Celtics team in 2010 to the finals, but that's been a long time ago. That's been 11 years, Mike. And you start talking about the process well, I don't think the Philadelphia fans trust the process anymore. I don't think that they believe in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Jo- ben Simmons, Mike, in two tie in two games on in, in in the last two games has not scored a point. Goose egg. How do you, as an All NBA player, not score a point in the last two fourth quarters when your team needed you the most? I get that the Hawks are, have have played out of their mind and they're playing unbelievable, but. My goodness, you're an all-NBA player, and you can't get a bucket at 6'10", and a guy that primarily has the ball in his hands most of the time to set up the offense? This is – Doc. if they lose this, this is going to be on Doc Rivers, this is going to be on Joel Embiid, and it's also going to be on Ben Simmons. And I think it'll it'll be the end of the three of them coexisting on the same team. 
you talk about NBA and being a superstar in the NBA, that's made in the postseason. You got to put the numbers up. You've got to produce in the postseason. And to your point, down the stretch in the postseason games when they matter most, when your team needs you. And that's what these three in Philly haven't been able to do, regardless of who's coaching them. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that one goes because. You know what else is happening this time of year around the NBA for, for coaches and front office guys that can't produce is they're looking for work. And, and you look at what just happened yesterday. Stan Van Gundy fired. Scott Brooks fired. Donnie Nelson was with the Dallas Mavericks for 24 years. He was fired. And then on the heels of that, Rick Carlisle announced that he was resigning today. Uh, it was un, 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 uh, unaffiliated or un, uh, not it didn't have anything to do with Donnie Nelson's departure. He said – he just decided on his own that it was time to go after 13 years with the Mavericks. Um, <laughs> you know, this is this is tough. This is a tough season of the NBA, and uh, apparently, getting into the postseason uh, and win and not winning a series is not enough now for Mark Cuban. Uh, he's blowing out the whole front office, so we'll see what happens. But uh, more shoes to drop for sure around the NBA. But but a really big day, not in a good way yesterday. Mike. Uh- I, I totally agree with you. This is the time of year where you start to see the coaches getting blown out, much like we see after the Super Bowl when you start seeing and uh, coaches in the NFL get blown out. And, and there's there's generally about six or seven new coaches every year in the NFL. Well, in the NBA, you're starting to see that trend as well. And, and can we just focus in on Dallas just a little bit? If we take away the 2011 championship, you, you give them all the credit in the world for the championship, but – Aside from that, this Mike, this has been a train wreck of an organization. Mark Cuban, as much as he's been likable and, and kind of a media darling, there hadn't been a lot of great news come out of Dallas in a very long time. Yes, they've gotten to the playoffs, and yes, they have Luka Doncic, which is a great piece to build around. But you start looking at everything around Luka Doncic, it seems like it's a it's a, a dumpster fire. Like everything is 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 going crazy right now and the fact that now you've had a guy that was there 24 years as you said donnie nelson out you got rick carlisle out you you got chris asporzingas not happy with his role he says he felt like he was underused and not appreciated there everybody seems to be jumping ship with the dallas mavericks and on the outside looking in it looks like things are great and, and they're on the rise as far as an organization but it seems to be quite the different picture once you take a little bit of a deeper look as to what's going on. And, and you've got to place a lot of that at the feet, at the owner. And, and that's Mark Cuban. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I saw a list online today of the five most tenured head coaches in the National Basketball Association. A couple won't surprise you. Um, Greg Popovich, of course, is at the top of the list. Uh, Eric Spolster yeah. in Miami. Steve at Golden State. But the bottom two, Quinn Snyder at Utah and now Michael Malone in Denver. And there's a question as to whether or not Michael Malone will be back next year. But but he's only been with the Nuggets for six seasons. You know, Rick Carlisle would have been number three on that list. He had been with Dallas longer than Steve Kerr was with Golden State. So you can just see the tenuous nature of head coaching jobs in the National Basketball Association and, uh, you know, the, the owners with, with the short triggers. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, it's, it's a tenuous job. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether or not number five on that list returns to his, his position next year with the Nuggets. It's a bottom line business, Mike. And just like the NFL, people always kind of looked at the NFL and said, okay, that's how they do business. 
but you're seeing that start to really trickle into the NBA. And and if you're not getting it done, you've got about three or four years. You, you've got uh, these these different players that are going to be together for a certain amount of time. And if you don't get it, to, if you don't get it together and, and, and at least compete for a championship, owners are looking to move on. And, and, and that's just the nature of the beast. And New Orleans, uh, we saw with Stan Van Gundy, he only got a year. So uh, there, there's very little patience now for these head coaches when you start talking about these these teams and and uh, if you've got a collection of, of players that you think you should be doing more with uh they're not hesitating to to drop the hammer and 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 bring in somebody else that they think can get your job done all right that's it uh, for our look at the nba on the other side we, i hate to do it b train but we got to talk about the arizona diamondbacks we don't talk a ton of baseball and honestly the diamondbacks haven't given us much to talk about but uh We'll take a quick look at them. That's coming up next on Train and Gross. Train and Gross. We'll get into the dog days of summer. And, uh, you know, usually that means uh, baseball. But, boy, it is ugly with a capital U-G-L-Y with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, They just lost uh, again today. We're recording this on Thursday. Lost to the Giants. 23rd consecutive road loss for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I was looking at the standings right now. Their winning percentage is .286, so just over 28% of the games they've won. If they hold that number for the rest of the year, that means they're going to win 46 baseball games. Just to put that in context, the uh, 1962 Mets, the the expansion Mets, the worst ever, they won uh, 40 games. I'm a Detroit Tigers fan. They suffered through one of the worst seasons ever in professional baseball in 2003, and the Tigers won 43 baseball games that year. Diamondbacks on pace right now to win 46 baseball games this year, which is just remarkable. Mike, that's U-G-L-Y, and they ain't got no alibi. That's ugly. Yeah, yeah, that's ugly. I mean, you start talking about a team that – has benefited from the Suns actually having casting a shadow on all the valley and, and really kind of you know covering up the, the the little ugly stories that are going on here in in the in the valley of the sun. That this is one of the ugliest that we've seen. And to think that this team not too long ago was in the playoffs and we felt like they had a chance to really build on that roster. Uh, it has been much the opposite. And uh, this. Th- when you start talking about a team that has won the World Series, and 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 I think the the Phoenix area has really embraced the Diamondbacks, Mike. I don't know if this is ever going to be a huge baseball town, but I do believe that the, the Diamondbacks have been embraced here, and and the fact that they're not giving the Phoenix fans anything to 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 cheer about at all this year, coming off of COVID when we were all locked up in our houses. Uh, this the timing of this could not be worse because you're looking at the Suns who were able to turn it turn it around and put themselves in a position to compete for a championship to see this team just fall apart and I mean a seven run loss or, or, or to give up a seven run lead last night and then to come out there and, and lay an egg again tonight today uh, that that's it's been kind of the, the 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 story of this whole season and and I don't know where you put the blame at, but man, this is as ugly as it gets. Sit at 20 wins and 50 losses right now, and they are a full 24 and a half games behind the NL West leading San Francisco Giants, and it's just mid-June, so we've got, unfortunately, we've got a long way 
to go before this season's over. And uh, a friend of the uh, friend of the program, we've had him on a couple different shows that I've done in the past, is Grant Woods, former attorney general of the great state of Arizona. But he's a huge Arizona Diamondbacks fan. To your point, B-Train, about embracing this team. You talk about public figures who got out in front of it, embraced it. And Grant is one of those guys, if you follow him on Twitter, he goes to fantasy camp at, at, with the Diamondbacks. And, you know, he, he lives out his childhood dream, you know, wearing, wearing the uniform and, and playing in the, in the fantasy camp. He went on Twitter today and, and just went off on this team. <laughs> Said if Ken Kendrick doesn't want to put a winning team on the field, he should just sell it. So, you know, when, when you've got guys like Woods coming out and and, uh, and and putting the team on blast, you know it's getting ugly. Maybe maybe we'll get Grant on one of these podcasts coming up this summer once uh, once basketball's over before football starts for real, and we'll let him just give him a whole segment, let him vent and take us uh, down that path uh, because it, the nice thing about him is when he when he – when he says stuff, he knows this team. He knows the players. He knows where the issues are. Um, so he's just not out there on Twitter making a splash. So maybe we'll track him down at some point in the future, and uh, we'll talk Diamondbacks with him. On the other side, though, we're looking ahead, I should say, uh, just 84 days until the NFL starts the regular season, 84 days left. I know we talked about that right at the end of the Super Bowl, like what a long stretch it is. You know, you can release schedules. You can have a draft. You but it only matters when you're playing games for real. Yep, you put it on the calendar 84 days until the NFL plays their season open. Mike can't wait. And I know for a lot of people around the country, they can't wait. Football is king in the United States. And the fact that we're this close to having real football back, right, I think it's going to, you know, it's going to bring the morale of the country back up again. And, and you start to see people in their element and, and cheering for their favorite team. And it's just a beautiful thing. And I know every team, all 32 cities that host an NFL team, all believe that their teams have a chance to win. We're 0-0. And between now and then, Mike, I know the players have a little bit of time off. My advice to those players right now is, one, stay in shape. And two, don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that's on the ESPN bottom line ticker doing something stupid in the offseason. You go home, you get around friends, uh, you, you, you do something that's out of character. Don't be that guy because inevitably there's always one or two that we hear about, Mike. And it's so sad to have to have to go back and explain to your, your organization and your teammates why you made the decision that you made. So just don't do it. And please stay in shape because this is not the time to talk about, well, you know, I got time to get myself back in shape. No, you don't. It's as competitive as ever. So don't do those two things and you'll be fine. Yeah, 84 days until the first game. So that means less time until camps open up. And so uh, good advice from a guy who did it for a long time. Uh, hey, real quickly, before we jump ahead to our final segment where we've got uh, pump the brakes as well as dad jokes. Um, I, I forgot to bring this up last week, and, and it's still news. Uh, women's tennis, Naomi, Naomi Osaka, um, she announced today, her agent announced today, that she was going to skip Wimbledon um, and, and take some time away, spend time with family and friends. And it really is one of those stories that's caught a lot of people's attention for, for any number of reasons. Um, if you recall, just by way of a refresher, she made headlines She's been making headlines on the court for the, the way she plays, ranked number two in the world. But also, you know, she was struggling with the idea of getting in front of the media 
after her events and she was fined and threatened at the French open. And, and finally she just withdrew and stepped away and, and, you know, apparently struggling with some mental health issues. And so it kind of puts it uh, in a really uh, bright light, the question about the obligation that professional athletes have not only on the court, but there, there is professional obliga- obligations as a professional when it comes to the media. I know you know that having played in the NFL the, for, for the number of years that you did. Uh, you see it after post-tournament, uh, post post-game, whatever sport you watch, press conferences where, you know, part of the reason that these sports are able to pay what they pay, the purses that the tennis tournaments pay, is because of the exposure that they get in the media. Banner up in the back when it's, you know, I don't know if it's Rolex or, or Perrier or whoever's sponsoring, you know, tennis tournaments, things of that nature. Um, so it's a fine line. And then on the other hand, you know, it's 2021 where people are more willing and more able and out there talking about the mental health issue. A lot of things wrapped up in this one story with uh, Naomi Osaka. Mike, it's fascinating. And, and I think for a lot of people, this is a referendum on sports and, and just how important sports should be in, in our culture and, and how important it should be in, in individuals' lives. Mike, we saw Roger Federer do something along the same lines, and he didn't receive near the vitriol that Naomi Osaka received. And, and yeah, they were different sets of circumstances. But at the same time, Roger Federer did what was best for Roger Federer. And yet here you got Naomi Osaka telling you that she's not right. She, she's not in a good place. And yet all she received was threats and, and, and uh, you know, fines and, and pressure to return. And, and it's for everybody else's enjoyment. But she's the one that, that has to go out there. And I, and I thought it was a little bit unfair. And I, I do understand both sides of it. Both have valid points. But when did we forget to be human, Mike? When did we forget to look at a person and if they're telling us they're struggling, how do we not try to help that person in any way that we can, regardless of the fact that they have a talent that most people in the world can't do, they're still a human being first. And I I think sometimes that gets lost with our expectations to be entertained and with the money that they're made and that they're making and and people are, are so less... Uh, forgiving of, of of superstar athletes because of the fact that they make so much money and they forget that that they you know they bleed just like any other person would and and if they were to lose a loved one or, or if they were to have something going on they're going to be just as uh, depressed about it and they're going to have some feelings as well too so I think for a lot of people they have to really go back and check you know what it is as far as why they watch sports in the first place because. For me, I thought it was very brave of Naomi to say what she said and to do what she's done. And I think she should have been handled much differently than what she had. I understand why she wasn't, but it, it just it, it didn't feel right, Mike, uh, to, to see her be scrutinized in such the manner that she was. Well, and I think, you know, again, you did it. You, you, were, you played at the highest level, as we said in the open, for 12 years. And I, I remember when we had Jim Trotter on the show you know, back when you and I had a radio show, Jim Trotter, of course, from ESPN and Sports Illustrated. And, you know, he commented on air about the fact that when he was coming up, getting started, you know, that, that you were you were good to him. You gave him the time of day. You treated him like a professional, which, you know, you, you, you and you probably saw a lot more than than got out, you know, to the general public in terms of how the, the, the relationship between the media and the players works out, you know, in a positive way, but but also in a negative way. 
And, you know, the, the, the idea to your point about being human, it, it goes both ways, right? Treating, treating, treating the reporters well, they've got a job to do. Um, and, and, you know, when you go back to Naomi Osaka, your point is, is, is very well taken. My hope there is that her family and her, her you know, the people that, that work for her, her agents or, or, or her people, uh, take care of her, mm-hmm. right? You know, because, you know, all too often you, you, you see athletes that are treated as a commodity, even by those that are close to them. You know, the people that are making money off of them, let's be honest, agents get paid when, when tennis players win tournaments family members you hear about hanger honors and and i don't know naomi's family so this you know but but you know a lot of people tend to rely on professional athletes when it comes to that thing so you know when you think about her you know you hope that she gets the help that she needs she says she wants to get right and hopefully play in the olympics i hope they take the time and do it right and and don't let her anywhere near competitive tennis until she's ready to go Without question, Mike, I, I hope that she gets well first. And then once she's well, then we can go back to enjoying her, her skills on the tennis court. But I, I think you have to just looking at her, I think of my daughters and, and I, I would want to just give my daughters a big old hug. If they were crying yeah. out that something is wrong, then the first thing I want to do is is go into dad mode and, and, and try to protect her as best yeah. I could. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We always say it, the first three segments, just a warm-up. Coming up, we got Pump the Brakes, and we'll wrap it up with a dad joke. That's coming up on Training Growth. Welcome back in Train and Growth. It's that time of the show, Pump the Brakes. I did not bring this music on the uh, on the playlist on the road trip. Oh, that's disappointing. Should hit you with one of these. Oh, no. That's what you deserve right there. My favorite sound. One of my favorite sounds of all time, by the way. <laughs> uh, all right, so you guys know the rules. I'm going to give you uh, statements, things people are talking about in the world of sports. You tell me if you're pumping the brakes or you're riding with it, you're rolling with it. Uh, you all talked right. about it earlier in the show. The Arizona Diamondbacks setting a Major League Baseball record for consecutive losses. 23 consecutive road losses. This is, pump the brakes or not, this is the lowest point in any of the major four sports in Arizona sports history. B-Train? Wow. Uh, I'm going to have to roll with that. I I think that's actually the case. I mean, I I can't think of any other sport where they've lost 23 straight road games. And I know there's been some down times in the Valley as far as sports are concerned. Football in particular, and and baseball, and and hockey, and and anything else. But my goodness, 23 straight on the road. I can't imagine what a lot of those diehard Diamondback fans are doing right now because they they've got to be losing their mind and thinking, when does this nightmare end? So uh, when you set a record for the entire sports league as far as losses, then yeah, it's it's, it's got to be up there as one of the bigger stories in all the Valley history. Gross. Man, I don't know. Like, it's ugly, but, man, we talked about it. The Suns are giving them a lot of air cover because people aren't paying attention to it. Just go back a couple short years ago, the Cardinals were 3-13. and 13. I believe uh, that that actually is a worse mathematical record. I don't know if it feels worse because you only play 16 games, um, so you never had a chance to lose 23 in a row or 23 road games. Um 
Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm going to have to go with it because it, it's it's just staggering. The numbers are ugly. Three, three. Yeah, I, I got to go with it. You I know, it's not wishy-washy. No, I'm with you. It, you know, it, when it goes when it comes to three and thirteen, that's not uncommon in the NFL. I mean, we're talking about right. we're talking about a 23 consecutive road losing streak. That is a hundred. I mean, that that from from modern baseball. So people consider that from 1900 until now, right? So you're talking yeah. about a 121 year old record. You know what I mean? Like, I, it doesn't get wow. much worse than that. A 121 year old record. Yeah. So I, I can't think of one uh, either. I, I I just did the math real quick though. Mm-hmm. Three and thirteen is a winning percentage of point one eight eight. Okay. The Diamondbacks' winning percentage is point two eight six. Okay. But but it just feels a lot worse. Right. But I'm talking about the moment. I mean this this moment. Yeah. No. Because you remember they started out. The reason that that winning percentage is what it is. They started out fifteen and thirteen. So you remove yeah. that fifteen and thirteen. What are they? B train. Yeah. So well, I, I agree with you. And the thing that I'm going to say is, what were the expectations for the Diamondbacks? Were we expecting this team to go to the World Series? Were we expecting them to compete in the playoffs? If, if we were, and now they're at a 23-game losing streak on the road, then yeah, this is is without a doubt one of the worst in, in Arizona sports history. But again, what were the expectations for the Diamondbacks before the season started? Well, and the expectations, unfortunately, were to be mediocre, right? You knew you weren't going to compete with the Dodgers. Everybody expected the Padres to really explode on the scene this year as well. So you were considered to be the third. You were considered to be competing with the Giants for that third, fourth spot in the West. Uh, You know, that's what you were... And and I'm glad the dog in the background agrees with us too. I mean, this is just atrocious, but um, the... (laughs) But, you know, so yeah... the moment itself, 23 consecutive road losing uh, road games in a row. Uh, that is that to me is I can't think do. of it's I can't think of do. one. Yeah, I can't think of one that's yeah. worse than that. No, uh, Phoenix Suns. There's a there is a um, map that is making the rounds right now. It was uh, it, it was put together by BetOnline.ag. They used search engine statistics and Twitter hashtags and everything else to compile which states are rooting for which NBA teams the rest of the way in the NBA playoffs. 17 states are currently Phoenix Suns fans, according to this study. So pump the brakes or not, the Phoenix Suns are the most entertaining team remaining in the NBA playoffs. Oh, pump the brakes. They're not the most entertaining team, but they're the best feel-good story of the NBA. There's a difference to me. And you start talking about entertaining when the new when the Brooklyn Nets are, are fully healthy, they are as entertaining as I've ever seen. I mean, they have the ability to put up 150 points on anybody. They can they can put the ball through the hole. I mean, James Harden and, and Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant, those three all by themselves could basically beat most teams with their scoring averages. But when you start talking about feel-good stories, I don't think there's a better feel-good story than the Phoenix Suns because of where they were the previous 11 years. And then you got an old veteran in Chris Paul coming over and really in, in, you know, introducing a lot of juice, if you will, and a lot of experience to this team, this younger team. I, I think there's a lot of teams or a lot of people around the NBA can feel good. And, and, and most of their stars are likable. They don't have any uh, edgy type players on their roster. You know, Jay Crowder would probably be the biggest edge guy, but he's not a he's not a rough guy. He's not a an edgy guy. So 
Uh, this is one of the more likable teams, and the fact that they're winning, I, I think a lot of people approve of that. Yeah, I would go with that. I mean, I, I, that's what I do when I watch sports. If my team's out, I go for that that feel-good story, that team that, that you want to watch. Um, you know, like this year in hockey, look at the Montreal Canadiens, right? How long it's been. B-Train, you brought it up last time. How long it's been since a team from Canada's won the Stanley Cup, something like that. Um, so that's who I'd go for. So clearly, you know, the, the Phoenix Suns fit the bill in the NBA with that story. Phoenix, I think, in Atlanta, right? So, I, you know, I'd, I'd definitely see that. Uh, so I, I guess I'm I'm not pumping the brakes. I, I got to pay attention better at the outset of these questions, Sean Creston. <laughs> but, um, you know, they're, they're not the most entertaining, but they certainly are a feel-good story. B-Train, you had a... And you, and, you know, another thing about this is a lot of people are rooting for the Suns because they got LeBron James out of the playoffs. There was a yeah. lot of LeBron James yeah. fatigue around the NBA, and they're the team that knocked them out. So a lot of people are like, thank you for knocking him out so they don't have to focus in on LeBron as much or, you know, at all during the rest of these playoffs. And I think we also have fatigue of super teams. You know what I mean? So this is a Suns team that, for the most part, built from the ground up. I mean, yes, Crowder's a starter. You brought him in from Philly. Uh, I'm sorry, from Miami. But uh, you also brought in Chris Paul. But for the most part, this is a homegrown team. So I think, you know, for me at least, I'm not a fan of the super team. Just haven't been, never have been. Uh, so I think if you're in that boat, it's an easy team to root for, I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah. The uh, One more NBA here. With what we saw last night, we're recording this on Thursday, so with what we saw in the Atlanta and the Philadelphia game last night, pump the brakes or not, it is absolutely inexcusable for Ben Simmons, a primary ball handler, to shoot 30% from the free throw line. Pump the brakes or not. No, I agree with that statement. It is inexcusable. And a guy that will not shoot a three, I don't. I think he's attempted maybe 10 threes uh, in a game in his entire career. I, I mean, that, that is absolutely mind-blowing to think in today's NBA where the three-point shot is as dominant of a, of a play as anything else, as dunking, basically, and you, as an all-NBA performer, won't shoot threes, and then when it matters most, you come up the smallest. At some point, people are going to start looking at Ben Simmons with a different look, with, with a different set of lens. And they're going to start looking at him as just an okay guy, not the all-NBA performer that he was just recognized as uh, for the 2021 season. Gross. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, you know, again, we say it all the time. Your superstars need to be superstars when the light shines brightest, don't you? I mean, that's, that's what you need. That's what you got to have. And, you know, and I get the Doc Rivers uh, frustration that B-Train talked about earlier, but, you know, in the NBA, players got to play. And, you know, if you're, if you're going to wear that label of superstar, you've got to earn it. You've got to earn it in the postseason. You've got to earn it when your team needs it. And, you know, all three of those guys in Philly didn't do it last night. I saw a stat today that said Ben Simmons, this just this postseason run, has missed more free throws than Steve Nash did in his entire postseason career. And Steve Nash took over 440 free throws in his postseason career to put just to give you an idea of what you should be able to expect from your primary ball handler uh, and what kind right. of, how much it handcuffs you if the guy that's supposed to be putting your offense in motion handling the ball for you 
you can't have him handling the ball because now I can just foul him and know that I'm going to get a 32% free throw opportunity out of him. You can hack a Simmons, if you will. It's just, it's inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable to me. It's one, yeah, it's one thing if you're talking about Shaq or, or somebody like that, but when you're talking about a, a ball handler, it's ridiculous. Yeah. They're called free throws, the free part for a reason, right? Got to yep. make them. Come on. All right, so we're going to go somewhat pop culture, then we're going to end it like we usually do before we get to dad jokes. Um, news story today. the uh, There is a new bowl game that was supposed to start last year, but because of COVID got pushed to this year, and its brand new name is Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. It is the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Pump the brakes or not. Bowl games should not name themselves after people. This is stupid. Again, I'm going with you. I, I I can't disagree with that. I mean, I would I be excited to go to the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? Uh, I don't think so, just because it has a name on it. And I, if you had some product or something that you were selling, and and I knew I could go get some, some fresh drip, and and you know uh, you know some money from it, then oh, I'm cool. But I mean, you're not gonna wear a Jimmy Kimmel Bowl shirt after that game. You're, you're not gonna be out and about. At your at your college town and 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 be rocking the Jimmy Kimmel shirt. No, that's never gonna happen. So, I I understand Jimmy Kimmel from his perspective trying to put his name out there, but if I'm, if I'm a player, there's no way I'm excited about this because you know that's not a Power Five bowl game. That that's more like a you know shredded wheat cereal bowl game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's the Mac. Come on, come on. It's, it's the Mac champion, I believe, versus the Pac-12 number five. Here, here, I, I'm, I'm going to go against the grain. Pump the brakes on the mobile. If you get two teams to show up and you can make the payout, you playing it in SoFi Stadium. Come on, if you if, if you're playing it for the Mac championship uh, champion team. You don't want to go to LA and play hey, listen, in that in that new stadium. I'm not knocking the I'm not knocking the bowl or having the bowl. I'm talking about having Jimmy Kimmel or any other celebrity who oh. fe- feels themselves a little too much to put their name on a bowl. I'm saying that's stupid. Not the bowl game. So, so you so you'd rather have the the weed eater bowl? Yes, very much, very the, much. The, so. craft, the craft blue box bowl, the red box bowl. <laughs> you, you mean? Oh. <laughs> Hey, if I'm a it's, fan, if I'm a fan going to the game, give me the cheese it bowl or the Tostitos bowl all day long because oh. it comes with free chips and free snacks. Oh. I'm in. I'm in. Wow. All day, all day. Wow. <laughs> Last one. Speaking of snacks, apparently there are 15 million boxes of Girl Scout cookies just sitting there, not sold. They have a surplus of cookies. They have a surplus of 15 million yep. Girl Scout boxes of cookies. So pump the brakes or not. The best Girl Scout cookie, as B Train is looking at me, the best Girl Scout cookie, Caramel Delights. Oh, pump the brakes. It's not Thin Mints. Do not tell me it's Thin Mints. Samoa. Samoa. I think we're talking about the same one. I think I'm talking about the same one. Because looking at the pictures. What were we going to say? Is it Samoa? I think so. I think that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, it's the it's the Samoas, but it's, oh, okay. on this website I'm looking at here, it, it's uh, the it says oh yeah it is it's Caramel Delight slash Samoas. That's the one I have written down. Oh okay yeah okay yeah. So we agree. I'm with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah, not even close. again. Now, that's a runaway. I'm gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes on that one, fellas. What are you going with? Don't even tell me it's the Thin Mint. 
I'm going with the Thin Mint, Sean oh, Crespin. And it, 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 fly, it flies in the face of my hard and fast food rules. Wait. Yeah, thank you. And before B-Train does dad jokes, I got to tell you guys a story. But the Thin Mints, I don't like mint and chocolate. There are two things that typically should not be put together. But when you get Thin Mints and you put them in the freezer and freeze them properly and eat them when they're cold, there ain't nothing better than, than the Thin Mints. I'm sorry. And I think if you look at the numbers, if the Girl Scouts release their, their statistics, they would show to they, that that is by far and away their best seller. It's not even close. So... So I believe I'm in the right on this one. The other thing I was going to tell you guys, a couple weeks ago, we did a poll about what the best kind of donut was. And I came up with the apple fritter. Well, I was in beautiful Las Vegas, New Mexico on the start of my road trip. And I hit a place called Dick's Pick and Span. And I got an apple fritter Excuse as big me? as a house right out of the... What's it called? Oh, Charlie's Spick and Span. My okay. bad. <laughs> it came... <laughs> It was an apple fritter right out of the fryer. Hold up. It was so good. Way. Hold up. Wow. Yeah. So if you're ever in Las Vegas, New Mexico, hey, and my, my apple fritter came in third place in the poll, by the way. So hanging my head in shame on that I one. Still am, I still am. I got to go get one. I'll bring apple fritters to the next show that we're all, all in person with. Now that, when, when you get back from your vacation, how about that? Because I still have never there, had one, so I'm going to go pick some up. I'll bring them in. All right. So that's, uh, that is today's... Uh, Pump the brakes. B train. Oh, first for the folks B-train who are just joining f- us for the first. Let me let me go through this again for the first uh, dad joke segment. If this is your first time joining us for this, uh, there are rules to this particular uh, this uh, this segment. No matter what, B train's going to get one of these. From that point, we can go in one of any three ways. We can go with the uh, this was awful. All right, if it's decent, you get the laugh track. All right. Mm-hmm. Yep, nothing like the good old 80s laugh track. But, you know, if it's top-notch, we'll get you to standing up. All right, so there you go. Those are the rules. That is the Those are the, the rating systems, the official rating system of B-Train uh, and Dad Jokes of the Week. So where are we going? So I got this one for you guys. Why did the dad joke cross the road? Why did the dad joke cross the road, B-Train? To get to the other side. Oh no! That was gross. Do you agree with me on my ratings? I, I was tr- I was trying to reach through the computer to hit the button for you. <laughs> To get to the other side. I mean, I get it. I get it. I just that one didn't. Uh, we we can't hey, win them all. We're, we're friends, oh, man. We're friends. We can't win them all. You know, we can't win them all. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> now the key, the key B train is not to go on an Arizona Diamondbacks type laughing, streak. Though. Everybody's laughing though. You know, you know the Everybody's best part. Laughing, the best That's part about dad jokes before the segment starts, and to pull the curtain back, if you're not watching this and you're just listening to it, uh, Mike Gross on vacation with the family, so B trains at his house in what uh, Gilbert. I'm in my house in Gilbert, yeah. and uh, so B trains camera goes dark as he's looking for dad jokes, and all Mike Gross and I hear in the background is just giggling in this black the black screen because he's looking on his phone, so it's just him giggling in the background. That's the best part about dad jokes is the prep, but uh, yeah, I gotta. 
Do not. Uh, trust I mean, you gonna hit me with it three times, man. Mm. Three times I get just... hit with the prices, right? <laughs> Come on, man. That's tough. Come on, that's tough. Be trained. Be trained. Like I said, the key is not to go on an Arizona Diamondbacks type streak. Yeah, you know, one you and done. Go, you know, uh, we'll you bounce back. Hear, you don't want to hear the horns. I'll be. Back I'll be back. I'll, I'll be back. Don't yeah. worry. I'll be back stronger than ever. We have faith. We have faith. All right. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter what at Train and Gross. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube now. And again, uh, we started the show with this, but great job by Sean Crespin uh, with the new intro. We love it. And uh, and hopefully you you like it as well. And again, you can see that. Search for uh, Train and Gross on YouTube. We'll see you next time. For Birch and Barry, Mike Gross, we're out. I holla. <laughs>